are listening to The Pursuit of Yoginess with your host, Rudy J. Welcome to The Pursuit of Yoginess, Habits and Hacks, Guiding Your Post-YTT Success. I'm your host, Rudy J, here to help navigate your pursuits as new yoga instructors. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are joined by Scott Fournier. He is a tier three coach or master trainer at Equinox in Toronto, where he has resided and worked for over four years. Originally from Ottawa, Ontario, Scott completed his kinesiology degree as a former Team Canada athlete. After sustaining several serious injuries and undergoing years of rehabilitative work, he decided to trade in his life as an athlete in order to pursue movement therapy, mobility training, and nutritional coaching. Scott holds certifications for Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization, or DNS, in Level 2, Functional Range Conditioning, or FRC, Kettlebells, as well as Pilates. His approach is refreshingly simple. Keep learning, keep evolving, and offer your services from a genuine, authentic place. He works primarily one-on-one with his clients, assisting them in all areas, but especially in prehabilitative and rehabilitative work, as opposed to strength and conditioning. He also leads workshops exclusively at Equinox, where he shares he is constantly surrounded by incredible like-minded individuals. Scott and I have a great conversation. It may not sound like this conversation is super applicable to us as yoga teachers, but I promise you I am always weaving in those connections and bringing it back to how even though some of the guests on the show may experience different shifts in their lives or they may be doing different things professionally in their movements, there are always overlaps. There are always similarities. So we discuss how Scott left a certain certain kind of lifestyle to pursue what he is doing now. He talks about that shift and what that felt like. We also talk about the competition surrounding being a trainer in Toronto. Um, And then I, of course, bring that back to us as new yoga teachers and where and how we might experience some of that competition, that doubt, that fear, and how to overcome it. And to be honest, Scott just has a really refreshingly humble and simplistic outlook on it all. So from an outsider's perspective, Scott definitely seems to have a solid handle on what he's doing and he also seems to be super knowledgeable and established but you will quickly learn that Scott is interested in just continuing his education continuing to evolve as an instructor as a teacher a trainer um and that he doesn't really follow a specific algorithm in terms of marketing himself and he doesn't actually even consider himself a super business savvy person so he is just interested in getting that knowledge bringing it to people and helping them move better and more functionally and safer in in their daily lives so this was a great conversation and again I always loop it back and relate it to us as teachers Um, so just stay with us here and I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation it was a really great one Um, and if you have not already pledge your support on patreon.com slash rudyj.com 
for as little as one single dollar. You can start and stop this pledge whenever you want. And I promise you, even a single dollar goes a super long way. So pause the episode, check out the patreon.com slash Rudy J, pledge your support, see what's going on over there, be part of this community. And of course, if there's anything in this conversation that you guys are taking away, if you want to comment, um, if you want some, or if you want to offer feedback, we're always open for that dialogue. I would love to keep this conversation going between episodes. Some of you reach out and tell me kind of what you want more of or what was interesting or some of your favorite episodes. And I love um, making those connections and I love getting that feedback. So those are a couple ways to support the show. Now let's bring Scott onto the episode. So Scott, welcome to the pursuit of yoginess. How are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Let's talk about your fitness journey. Give the listeners a little bit of insight as to what you do, where it began, and the main mission behind your movement today. All right. Big time question. (laughs) Um, So my name is Scott, and my movement journey started uh, in a very different place than I I currently am. So I, I used to play football at a pretty high level. And I was, uh, in a much heavier body. I used to weigh like 265 pounds and I played defensive ends. Uh, did that throughout high school. I played two years for team Canada, which was an awesome experience. And then I actually went to Western on scholarship, uh, to play football there. Uh, so I think that's where my kind of love for movement and training and just understanding the body started uh, at a very young age. Um, football obviously by nature is like a pretty rough sport, And I ended up having a few, relatively big surgeries uh, once I got to university a lot of like tendon repairs things of that nature um so I spent a lot of time in the rehab prehab world uh, as opposed to like the strength and conditioning world so that kind of opened my eyes to another element of fitness um I've always been so performance focused because I was an athlete um this almost took me out of that position and made me look at the other end of the spectrum looking at like prehab movement way to get out of chronic pain things of that nature When I stopped playing ball, um, I was so used to putting time and effort into my own body, but now I didn't have a sport to play. So I decided to try to transform myself a little bit. And I ended up losing like 85 pounds um, and just kind of overhauled my body in terms of mobility and flexibility and and movement stuff. Um, And that brought me to where I am today, which is an Equinox Tier 3 Plus trainer. So I've been at this club for the past four years. Um, I'd say my niche is a little bit more movement therapy uh, as opposed to strength and conditioning. So trying to get people away from chronic pain, a lot of um, postural reset type of techniques um, as opposed to like your more standard gym, like weight loss goals. I usually deal with people that are trying to get away from chronic pain. Um, and that's a very, very gratifying experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, give me an idea of how, besides your own um, transformation into the fitness world, how did you start to offer um, what you do? Did you take some trainings like a PT or yeah? Great question. Yeah. So I did my kinesiology degree at Western, um, which is awesome because it sets the baseline, but to be honest, it's, it's not stuff that you really use day to day in in this field. Um, But it certainly gives an awesome breadth of understanding of the the body and things of that nature. Um, I think a lot of this came about selfishly. Like when I was a lot heavier, I I had chronic low back pain, a lot of SI, like tailbone issues just from being so heavy. Um, So I think just out of my own curiosity, I tried to 
to get away from my own pain and try to learn how to fix my body. Um, I am by nature a very curious person. So I think that just led me down this really cool path of like discovering deeper layers of how the body worked for my own sake, because I really enjoyed like, I would figure something out about my body, I would apply it and then my body would feel better. And it was like, oh my God, I've been chasing this feeling for a long time, right? So that wanted me to, <laughs> that led me to want to do that for other people as well. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of my education, I think the two big streams, uh, there's something called DNS or dynamic neuromuscular stabilization uh, and FRC, which is functional range conditioning. Um, so I, I go through those two systems a lot. I really draw from those educational pieces in terms of my like post-secondary education. Um, and I think that's, that's probably, those have been my two biggest rocks in terms of learning a lot of the stuff that I apply today. Mm -hmm. And how might those relate to, or compare, sorry, to like a 200 hour teacher training for like a yoga instructor? No, a great question. They, um, both of them have, um, like for DNS, for example, there's, there's both a clinical stream and an exercise stream. Um, so the clinical stream was basically started for chiropractors, therapists, things of that nature. Then they opened an exercise stream for body workers, movement specialists, personal trainers, things of that nature. Um, so you will basically go, you'll do like an intensive two to three day course. Then you'll come back, do like a case study, um, apply some of what you've learned, go back, get tested on it, and then you can level up. Um, so there's, there's basically different, different levels to both courses. Um, but they do do a great job of standardizing some information and, and packaging it in a very digestible manner. Awesome. And so for someone like myself who was kind of introduced into the fitness world via yoga mm -hmm. and now I'm starting to similar to yourself experiencing some some pain or discomfort in the body and kind of just wondering well why why is that there and what's going on there and just kind of wanting to dive a little deeper into you know totally. more yeah more mindful movement and more mobility and and more functional movement um Injury That's the buzzword, right? Fun yeah, it so is. I say that every time, but totally. I mean, um, it's most relatable for people. <laughs> no, 100%. Yeah, and then also that whole injury prevention piece, I think it's a big part of it. And I personally, like, I don't like hearing from my students or from other people that they're like, ah, I just have this like pain that I just like live with. And you're just like, no, it we're doesn't have to be like, no, that, right? we totally are not meant to feel like that in our bodies. So for someone like me, who's kind of on that edge where I'm starting to learn more about mobility and understand the body a lot more, how, mm -hmm. how can I start to uh, bring that as a yoga teacher into my classrooms? Because Yogis are also very attached to what they do in classes, whether the poses are serving them or not. I found that some people are a little resistant to learning or diversifying their movement. They don't necessarily want to. So in your no, opinion, absolutely. yeah, in your opinion, where's a good place to start to incorporate um, more, you know, accessible or functional movement? Yeah. Um, in terms of resources to draw from or ways to implement it? We could do both if you want. Um, yeah, I think I, I just know in my own practice, like it's a little bit different for me because I work solely one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Um, so it gives me a bit of a better opportunity to kind of leverage like what I'm trying to get out of the session, um, versus running, you know, a group class where people come in with a mindset of this is how it's going to be. Typically when I work with someone, I'm able to mold the hour and be like, listen, this is, this is how it's going to be. So I think I have a, probably an easier path than you would mm. or, or any other like group teacher. 
um, just because I have that one-on-one access to the clients. Um, that being said, I think it's super important. Like I'm actually a Matt certified Pilates instructor as well. Um, I, I try to be as diverse as possible just so that I can understand both sides of the spectrum and not even both sides of the spectrum. I mean, there's just so many different disciplines when it comes to fitness, right? Mm-hmm. And I think to be locked into the kind of dogmatic idea that this practice like, Oh, that's a yoga pose that fits in this box. Well, you can do that same pose with like a kettlebell and now it's not called yoga, but like, what is your body getting out of it? Right. Mm-hmm. Our body doesn't care if it's called like yoga or Pilates or movement training or whatever mm-hmm. uh, certain ways that I think the human body is meant to move and mobilize and stabilize. And when those criteria aren't met, that's when pain pops up. Um, so I know just for myself, I know that, sorry, this is kind of a roundabout answer, but I know for myself, I've just tried to expose myself to like literally every discipline out there, at least have an understanding of it. And then I feel like I can make my educated decisions moving forward, um, in terms of what implement to use. So I know, yeah, like two years ago, I did my, I did my, uh, Pilates mat cert, which was really cool. And that was a very eye opening experience because it is like literally on the opposite end of the spectrum from a lot of the DNS training we do in terms of how they use like core bracing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither are right or wrong. It's just important to understand the context of both and be able to, to explain that to clients. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it sounds like that knowledge piece is key, but then also being able to diversify, being able to cross train and then not be too rigid in, in one uh-huh. area. So to, and not to get overly like technical with it, but yoga would be considered very passive in terms of what your body's going through yeah. and that you're, you're putting yourself in a position, you're hanging out there for like an extended period of time and, um, basically like stretching and working on flexibility. Right. Mm-hmm. We're finding out now that, um, a lot of, uh, that's definitely a component of fitness, but also having an active component to it, mm. um, where now you are, instead of like pulling your body into a position using a strap or something, you're like p- pushing your body into a position using your own muscular tension. Mm-hmm, like um, that things, resistance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is where the FRC world comes into play, which is really cool. And in my mind, if you were to layer some FRC principles over top of uh, a yoga practice, that might actually bridge the gap in, in making, in, in bringing it from passive to active. And actually, uh, I, I think that might be a really cool practice to implement at some point. Mm, that's a good tip. Um, FRC, very similar to like bar or, or different pulse classes where it's a lot of end range training. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're, instead of just doing like, if you're working hip extension, you bring that hip into as much extension as possible. Then you flex that knee as much as possible. And mm. you're trying to keep that hamstring in as short a range as possible, but that you're controlling as opposed to like using your hand to pull yourself there or whatever. Let's dive a little deeper into what it means to be a master instructor. So that seems like that's what you call yourself or that's oh, your, cool. your, tighter, that's your title. That's what they call me, yes. That's what they call you. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, so talk to me about that title, what that means, and then let's dive a little deeper into the actual facility of equinox and how you said you've been there for four years so oh cool um, thank you yeah yeah so just being there being around i mean i've i've chatted with a couple of people so i have a friend that 
that trains there and works with you guys over there. And she's just always raving. And it just seems like everybody is doing something so different, like uh, Natalia and Julian and, well, even Charisse. Um, yeah. It just seems like you guys are all doing something so different, so cool, um, but you're all in this one facility. So talk to me about that experience. Absolutely. Well, those are some very talented names that you just mentioned, so I'm happy to be uh, lumped <laughs> into that category. Yeah. Um, no, it's really cool. So I guess in Equinox, there's basically two streams to my job. There is the actual one-on-one -on -one training that I provide for clients. Um, and then the, there's the master instructor role. So with that, uh, Equinox is based on a tiered system in terms of our trainers. So we have tiers one through three plus, and we're soon to implement uh, tier four. Um, and I basically teach the curriculum that trainers need to go through to get the promotion. So if someone is going from like tier one to tier two, for example, we would host a class of like 10 to 12 trainers and I provide, it's basically a condensed uh, kinesiology curriculum. So we do like biomechanics, anatomy, a little bit of physiology, things of that nature. Um, so I will teach, we'll do like two hour lectures per class. Um, once they go through enough of those, then we'll implement a case study and they'll have to go through a bit of a practical. Uh, we will then like shadow and make sure that the on four product is up to par uh, and then they can get a promotion. So the master instructor is essentially like a teacher of the trainers. Ah, and how how does one secure that role? Just from being there, from training, from? Um, I've been, so I've been at the club for four and a half years. And I think I've been a master instructor for like four of those years. So mm -hmm. I was offered the position pretty early, uh, which was awesome. Um, I think it was just on our managers to, to select someone they thought was appropriate. And then we go through a bit of a... Uh, like a selection process that's a, a little more official. Equinox is a, a giant corporation, right? Mm -hmm. So I, when I was first hired here, we were the, there was only two locations in Canada, both were in Toronto. Um, so a lot of the infrastructure wasn't really in place. Mm. Um, as the clubs developed in Canada, now we get a little more official in terms of how we have to conduct things. So yeah, I was offered the position very early. I uh, went through a little bit of like a boot camp kind of interview style thing. Mm -hmm. And then I've just really grown into the role. I, I really do enjoy the teaching. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nice to, as much as I love the one-on-one -on -one, uh, work with people, because you can get very detailed and specific. It's also nice to sit there and just have a, a big collaborative conversation with a bunch of like-minded people, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I think that would be the, uh, the master instructor answer. Mm -hmm. In terms of all the personalities and skill sets under Equinox, it is really cool. Um, like, I think we have 40 trainers on staff. And on top of that, there's all the group X, so like Julian and, and those people. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like you said, we all bring something very different to the table. I think that's where I feel very fortunate to have this master instructor platform. I'm, I'm also able to host weekly or biweekly workshops that are kind of up to me in terms of content that I want to teach. Mm. Um, none of those are official in terms of promotions, but it's just for basically hosting, like if I go take an FRC course and come back and there's things that I think people can benefit from, not that it certifies them in FRC now, but at least being able to relay some of these techniques and strategies that I've learned to some of the other trainers and just trying to raise the overall quality of training in, in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. I think sharing information is pretty important. Definitely. And it's, it's good when it's like applied as well, like this will help you with doing this instead of, you know, sometimes it's more beneficial for people to actually have that um, applied level of learning and, no. and more specific. 
especially with like when you're training here, that's, that's essentially your entire job is yeah. the aspect of what you're learning. So you can know it theoretically, but unless you know how to, to practice it, it doesn't go very far. Exactly. Um, I'm curious to know though, this, this system that you guys operate under like this yes. tiered system, does that ever feel like intimidating for people or competitive or I'm, I'm trying to relate it a little bit, um, back to us as yoga teachers. So, you know, our market is pretty oversaturated and sometimes, sure. yeah, sometimes teachers kind of have to, it's almost like we're proving ourselves all the time in the fitness world and people will come take your class and be like, oh, she does this and that. And I liked this, but I didn't like this. So I'm just trying to think of, you know, we don't have a structured tier system, right. um, but we definitely know, you know, this is, this teacher is kind of up here. She's been doing this for X right. amount of years and, and whatever. And it definitely kind of, I've noticed with newer teachers, it's, it's pretty intimidating and it almost kind of gets you, um, I don't know, like it, it makes you feel like you're, you're trying to prove something almost, which I've, I've just found, um, can be kind of tricky. So I'm, I'm trying to understand if, if that's a component at all, if you notice that, or if you've experienced that at all. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think the fitness industry by nature is uh, hyper competitive and it's very ego driven. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is, uh, I think I kind of lean on my competitive athlete days and I'm, I'm able to put myself in my own little headspace where I just focus on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I was newer in the industry, I was absolutely influenced and kind of caught up in what was going on around me. And you, I, I found you almost get lost. And instead of developing your own practice, you're just trying to like compete with the guy next to you. Yes. The way we're set up at Equinox is like, I don't really look at it as competition because everyone kind of has their niche. Mm -hmm. um, like you mentioned Sharice earlier, brilliant trainer. I don't even know what tier she was at. It doesn't matter because she brings an awesome skill set to the table. Um, but I find that skill set would be like very different than mine. Mm -hmm. Just like mine's different from the other 39 trainers here. Um, so as much as there's different like tiers of skill level, um, I, I do think it's more about fits with individual clients mm -hmm. and like, you can get some clients that tell you I'm the best trainer they've ever experienced. And I'm sure you could have someone else where maybe our knees didn't line up and they would have a better experience with someone else. Does that mean I'm a worse trainer? It was just a different fit. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the approach I try to take. Cause otherwise, yeah, you can get super caught up and like, <laughs> there's 40 people here that like put in long days all yeah. the time and put work into research and getting better at their craft. And that's super cool. But I think that'll burn you out if you try to look at it as a giant competition. Right. Yes. Cool. Or at least that's my approach. Yeah, no, I like that. And it makes sense. Um, let's pivot a little. Let's talk about your social media platform. Cool. So, yeah. So I'm curious to know about some of the positive feedback you've received through, the, through this platform. And I'd like to know why you think uh, people are so drawn to your social media. Um, yeah, I, I wondered that myself, to be honest. <laughs> I, uh, no, it's cool. So I've been, I've been fortunate again, Equinox is like a pretty high profile club. So I work with some people that do have larger followings. Um, so I think being able to collaborate with, with people with very high profile followings gave me a lot of exposure like early on. And I think that helped grow the, the following base a little bit, mm -hmm. um, which was, which was really cool. I, I didn't, and to be honest, still don't really look at it as a self-promotion or business opportunity. I kind of treat it as like a hobby. 
Mm. I know that sounds silly because it is, it can be a great tool to leverage, but I'm so busy with the actual day to days of Equinox um, that I think I just try to capture little snippets and post it and people seem to enjoy that mm-hmm. as opposed to having this be like, okay, I'm going to like structure this, launch this, package this and, and send it. I just kind of do like, I, I try to do the story updates daily so people can see my actual day-to-day practices with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, that actually gets more responses than most of the actual posts, which is cool. Like your story, your actual yeah, story. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just a little 24-hour clips. I try to do that, um, like numerous ones daily just to show, and that's usually like client-featured stuff, not mm. myself, um, just to show what like the, I mean, it's different if I'm if I'm setting up a post and moving perfectly and all this stuff. But I think if people can relate when they see clients going through things. Um, that's that's usually what I get the most feedback on. Mm-hmm. And what sorts of feedback do you get? Um, to be honest, it's usually like, "Where did you learn this stuff?" Uh, um, which is cool, which I take as a huge compliment. Um, but at the same time, I feel that I've I've just been exposed to some really high quality education, but then it's it's more of a self like creativity and curiosity that comes up with a lot of the stuff I do. Right? There's not like a, a manual or a course where you're like, oh, just go do these movements. Um, I think that comes from understanding how the body works very thoroughly and trying to make people's bodies work that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you've never like set out to grow this platform as like a piece or a part of your offerings as like a tool sounds like it's something that kind of like organically I, happened a hundred percent and i do ebb and flow with it and i know this is actually kind of funny because i think my last three posts were actually like a three-part next series post where there was like some structure to it but that is that yes was kind i of saw like a, i saw that one <laughs> i was like <laughs> that was, save that was, save <laughs> that, that was kind of like a one-off um yeah there's still a, a huge lack of direction like i'll go over a month without posting anything and then i'll post like daily for a little bit um I find it hard. Like a lot of what I do, I I think is relatively technical and and takes a lot of like in-person interpretation of what's happening. And that's why I really enjoy my job. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to just blanket, like launch that on Instagram. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I find unless people can experience like what I can actually do in person, I'm not going to try to like give my products online. It won't look, it won't have the same look to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the stories are kind of the, the client spotlight so people can see the day-to-day like technical stuff that happens. The posts I do are usually just me moving around doing something that like looks kind of cool because I think people are just drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly no no real theme or structure to it, but I, I'm sure it'll go that way eventually. Mm-hmm. And do you have you ever used it as like a marketing tool for your offerings or what what have you found has been the most um, like impactful in getting people to train or is it like more referral based or connection based? Again, to be honest, definitely have never set out to use it as a business tool in terms of, uh, gathering clients. Mm -hmm. I think at some point using it to leverage like an online platform definitely makes sense. But again, my, my day-to-day actual job Equinox really fulfills me in terms of like both time and just satisfaction. Mm no, it's a good question. It's, it's funny. I feel like, um, the, the more effort I put into that, it almost takes away from the the learning and the actual like practical application of stuff, at least just where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is a pretty like low maintenance hobby at, at the moment. Um, I think what I have really benefited from is actually being able to connect with other individuals in the industry that I wouldn't have met outside of Instagram. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so other like FRC and DNS practitioners reaching out or just connecting with other Equinox trainers in the States that I uh, otherwise would never have like come across and actually knowledge sharing back and forth with those guys and everything from like, Hey man, read this book or take this course. Or I think I've benefited from that more personal growth wise than I have from like, uh, getting clients out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. I like that because it's just, it's just like an organic thing you're like i'm just gonna put this up this is a little piece of what i'm doing and here it is and there's no gimmicks and there's no you know forcefulness behind it it's just it's just it it is what it is and it's thank you yeah and it grows naturally and i think that's kind of refreshing and probably a little annoying for for people out there who are like really trying to grow their social media platforms but i don't know there's something to be said about you know it's not about having like the fanciest or the whatever I, I don't know that there's people always talk about like algorithms of social media and this is how sure. you get the best and whatever but I don't know sometimes you know if people are attracted to what you're offering that's just a natural thing and that's either going to happen or it's not yeah I, I do feel very thankful that I I have the approach I have and people are still very interested that's really cool yeah um, and hopefully that continues to grow um, but no I, I do think like at least my efforts are usually put in towards learning more of the actual like technical stuff that I can apply as opposed to trying to make my Instagram as creative as possible. Mm-hmm. And I feel that at least the content I put out has some substance to it and that'll get a following. Definitely. Um, so I'm curious who have you, or who comes to mind that um, you think you've learned from in a way that you feel has been most influential or um, helpful in your health and fitness journey? Um, yeah, I mean, so many, so many people have influenced me along the way, um, especially coming from such a vastly different background. Like I think just being exposed to the high level athletic side of things, I was through both team Canada and Western that showed me kind of the, the, the top end of the performance side of things. Um, so no real individuals there to be honest, but I think just being in that environment coming up, uh, kind of set the tone for one aspect of my understanding of fitness Mm -hmm. um in terms of like i'll be totally honest there has not been any one like mentor or like anyone that i've really uh gathered one crucial piece of information from i think it has been just a lot of exposure to different styles and a lot of curiosity Mm -hmm. and let's dig a little deeper into the first part of that so so being an athlete and yes. just just being exposed to that world, what do you think you took from that um, and then and now offer? Like what what sorts of, whether they were like personal or whether they were actually yeah. just understanding the fitness world as an athlete or? I think to be honest, even like industry aside, I think just the work ethic of like being able to put in X amount of time into one task and understand that like that was very important. Um, I think that's let me kind of buckle down here and almost approach these like long training days, like a, like a football game or something as silly as that sounds. Um, I kind of adopt that athlete mentality and it's like, you just become very present in that moment. Um, that being said, I think I get, I got a lot of like technical skills out of it. I, I had an awesome strength coach my first three years at Western. And then my fourth year, I actually quit the team because that's when, things were starting to fall apart injury wise and stuff. Um, and I was actually able to shadow our strength coach and, and learn a lot uh, of the like technical stuff that I bring today, which is really cool. 
Um, so I think that opportunity, as hard as it was at the time, because my whole identity was like being a football player and I had to make the conscious choice to walk away from that, it also set things up uh, to be where I'm at now, mm-hmm. which is cool. So, Do you find that you attract athletes as No, as not at all. Fans? That's the hilarious part. No. I, uh, well, because now my practice has shifted so far away from that, I think mm-hmm. because that was my first exposure and I'm very comfortable in that world. Um, nothing got bored of it. And I mean, you can always improve in that direction, but I think I just wanted to make myself a little more diverse and, and learn a little bit more about the kind of prehab rehab side of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just find that world, it, it's almost like a little bit more of a puzzle and you have to like put things together, um, instead of like programming for athletes. Like I find if you're working with high level athletes, they're high level athletes for a reason and they already have a lot of awesome like movement things locked in or they're very good compensators and they move terribly but their athletic ability lets them like still get by Mm -hmm. Um, but now you're dealing more with like programming and percentages of like one one rep maxes and things of that nature versus the prehab rehab world and like the movement therapy world I find is really cool because it's like this ongoing puzzle of movement Um, Mm -hmm. I think my brain just digs into that a little bit more Mm-hmm. And something that just kind of comes to mind here, when when you made that shift or made that decision to kind of leave um, the world of being an athlete, do you do you ever look back on that and and think that you made a mistake or may, probably not now? But was there any time or moment in there where you thought maybe you were not doing? the right thing or there was any regret or did you receive some feedback from other people that was maybe like, Oh, I don't know if you should be doing this. Was, was there any of that along the way? A hundred percent. No, it was a, it was a very difficult time in my life. I mean, I, so my, my father played in the CFL for like six years uh, as a professional athlete. I was raised in like a very football dominant household Mm. was never pushed in anything, but just by my own interests kind of pursued it. Um, Did have some success early on with the team Canada and the, the Western scholarship and things like that. Um, by the time I walked away from it, I think I was so burnt out from like, it was basically two years back to back of, of rehab for me just because of the tendon repairs. Mm. Um, so after two years of like being on the outside, looking in and feeling pretty removed, it was actually a relief to leave, um, as much as it was like a shock to my kind of day-to-day identity. It's, uh, there was, there has not been one regret Mm. moving forward. Because it probably just felt like you could feel that this was the transition that needed to happen. It was just like some deep level of Scott just like understood that was the right move. Even yeah. if it didn't make sense, like socially. I mean, that's fourth year university too, right? Where yeah. everyone's like hyper competitive. It's all alpha male. It's all whatever. <laughs> and to be like, you know what, guys, I'm actually good. I'm going to walk away from that. Mm. Um, like I lived with five other football players. So like they go to practice. I just sit there by myself. I'm like, he's very different. Like my girlfriend <laughs> at the time was a, a varsity athlete. Like that was my entire life, right? Yeah. So to walk from that, um, yeah, was was difficult, but in like a very satisfactory way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So there's something that I always touch on in my interviews, and it's the entrepreneur journey. So that side of being a group fitness instructor or a trainer or whatever, there's this piece. Um, it's more like the business side, I guess you could call it. And... I'm always kind of talking and advocating um, for following just, you know, just as you're saying, following something that speaks to you and that you're passionate about and that that is 
generally the best way to kind of pave our own path and, and set ourselves apart. Like it comes from a genuine place when we're, when we are excited and passionate about what we're offering. So, yeah, but I also know in my own experience and in talking to others that it's not always easy because there's so, there's so much, there's so much out there. There's, you know, competition. And then sometimes people feel like, ah, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And it's can be kind of an isolated journey or whatever. So there's just a lot that goes into kind of being self-employed or a contract work or an entrepreneur. Um, but I'm curious to know, was there a moment or a time where you kind of felt that you were working, 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 and like trying to get everything together. And then you started to feel things kind of come together in a way that you wanted them to. No, I love that question because uh, it's, it's cool. I, I think that I'm constantly going through that, that cycle, to be honest, mm. um, in terms of, you know, self-doubt. And then you go kind of prove yourself both to yourself and to others. And then the self-doubt kind of fades away, but then, either boredom or complacency or something sets in and then you go through self-doubt again. And I think that's actually part of being uh, an entrepreneur trying to run uh, a little bit of an independent thing is that you, you have to be constantly pushing yourself to grow and that comes from a level of discomfort. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, there, there have been a few moments where I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally got this, but those are usually very short lived because <laughs> uh, then I'll freak out that I'm not going to be good at what I do or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, it's neat. It's it's a cool question. I think like right now is where I sit. And if I look back four years ago, I feel like I'm in, in a very different place in terms of my career and things. But I also want to four years from now, look back at where I'm at and be like, holy smokes, what was I doing back then? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hate to look four years from now and be like, yep, kept that system going. <laughs> um, so it's, it's interesting. I also find that I'm not overly entrepreneurial, which you can probably gather from our Instagram talk earlier. Um, I do consider myself a bit of like a, a specialist as opposed to a business builder. Mm. Um, and I think that if I can just be the best at what I do in my niche, then business offer, and, and then you connect with the right people, um, that kind of provides you with business opportunities as opposed to, as opposed to putting my efforts into, you know, building the Scott brand through social media and things of that nature. I find if I just build Scott in terms of knowledge and my abilities, then the brand kind of builds itself. Right. Mm. Um, but no, tons of, tons of, uh, yes, self-doubt, the, you know, trying to find some confidence moving forward with things. I, I, one of my favorite things about learning is how much it shakes up your confidence because I will feel very solid on a piece of knowledge or a system. And then I'll go to level up my education a little bit. And you're like, oh my God, what have I been doing this whole time? (laughs) And I think that's the coolest because then you come back and you're like a little bit shook up and you're unconfident moving forward, but then you implement what you've learned you get confident with that. And now you've, you're, you're in a slightly higher place than before you were shooken up. Right. Mm. So I, I do think kind of that reinvent, get uncomfortable, grow, and then implement cycle is like super important. Cool. So you're saying this is a good, so for people out there who are like, I don't feel like I know what the heck I'm doing, or I feel like whatever, this is a good thing. This, this makes us uncomfortable. I think so. I, I, think, yeah. so. I, I think the minute you're like, Oh yeah, I got to figure it out. And you coach like that's, that's probably when your business starts dying, I would imagine. Amazing. And it's like, I like what you said there, that that evolution of looking back and you hope that what you're doing now is different from what you were doing four oh, years ago. 100%, yeah. both <laughs> how I approach the business and the actual like technical things I do. Um, but no, I, I do think there's also a sweet spot, right? Because if you're yeah. constantly, there was a cool uh, 
quote. Like you can't you can't create and critique at the same time. There should be two different processes. And I I try to live by that because let's say program design, for example, if I'm trying to you know sort someone out that has like a history of hip bursitis and has been to like these treatments and this stuff hasn't worked. Um, it's very easy to, you know, start down one path and then you critique yourself so much that the program actually doesn't go anywhere, um, versus trying to just create something and then you implement it and then you critique it separately. And I find that's, uh, that's been key in my success. Otherwise it's like, I get there and I get paralyzed and am not actually able to create anything. Amazing. It's like that whole launch and learn. <laughs> uh, what's the best piece of advice, either life or business that you've ever received? I think, yeah, no, not to be repetitive, but um, I think in terms of business, just working on your craft and like being the best in your little niche and then using that to, to launch a bit of a, a platform as opposed to doing it the other way around. And I think the fitness industry is so, you know, instant gratification, ego driven, all these things that uh, I find there's a lot of people that have like a little bit of success and then try to launch like a massive platform because of that. And that's okay. That's just not my comfort zone. And I would almost rather do it in reverse. And I think I've had some people that I really look up to uh, in the industry have shared their sentiments. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I I think the best piece of advice would be to like be genuine in what you're doing out of your own curiosity and passion, because that'll keep it sustained. Um, But also to just work on your craft and be the best you can be and then put yourself in positions where other people can see that. Um, so I think that's something that I try to lean on like literally daily. It stops me from getting caught up in the social media race and all this stuff and, uh, lets me just kind of work on my own game. Mm -hmm. And for people listening, I'm just going to mention this here. A niche doesn't necessarily have to be like this, this groundbreaking thing that you're trying to do or change, you know, like, yeah, like. I would say it, it almost sounds like, you know, pick something that resonates with you or an idea or a movement or whatever it is. And, and yeah, and get really solid at that. Explore that until you, until you, you know it. You don't know where it's going to evolve. Like yeah. in like four years ago, when I came into here, I would, I would not have guessed that I'd be in the position that I'm in right now. And I, I would not have wanted to be doing the things that I wanted that I'm doing right now. Cause I didn't understand that world. Right. So I think by exposing yourself to, like get outside your comfort zone, expose yourself to things that you might think like there might not even be applicable at that time, but you don't know where these things are going to grow and, and lead you to. Um, so yeah, I think just like staying super curious, staying super genuine and then working on your own crafts are probably uh, the three biggest like rocks that I've taken. Awesome. I'm just going to have you complete the following five sentences. So the first one is I make self-help a priority by moving early and moving often yes the second is i maintain authenticity in my offerings by uh genuinely understanding the content i put out instead of just regurgitating info Mm. Uh, third a mindfulness practice that keeps me grounded in challenging times is music oh nice i've never had that one before yeah no i play drums and guitar and i also just really enjoy listening that was so cool uh, fourth, I believe in the timing of my own opportunities and practice trust when. Uh, I'm the most self-confidence in, like, I, I think just breeding self-confidence is essentially what makes you trust your own practice. Mm. And the fifth, I establish impactful connections with others and grow my tribe by. 
I think your vibe attracts your tribe, right? So I, I try to just uh, make sure that I project what I'm trying to get across so people can understand it. And then the people that that vibe is with, they, they find you. Mm. And to totally wrap up, based on the notion that the pursuit of yoginess is ultimately the pursuit of the self, can you share one final thing that your own pursuit has revealed to you and moved you towards self-growth and success? Absolutely. I think, at least for myself, um, being able to get into my physical body and focus on improving that kind of hardware has gone a long way in improving my my mental health and kind of the software that comes with that stuff. Um, I find if I focus on the physical nature of things, that's when you can stop kind of overanalyzing, overthinking, and really get into the actual physical moment of, of being in your body. Um, I think I just lean on that daily. And when I look at pursuit of self, I look at like both mind and body. They're separate entities, but they're also connected. Um, and just trying to, you know, keep those on their seat is of utmost importance. Mm, amazing. Let the listeners know where they can go to connect with you after the show. Absolutely. So my Instagram account is Scott Fournier PT. Um, that's S C O T T F O U R N I E R P T. Um, all lowercase, all connected. Um, I am on Facebook, but there's very little effort put into that. Like I haven't even logged on <laughs> a long time uh, and I had to dust off this Skype password. So yeah, Instagram <laughs> is really the only uh, social media platform that I use, but you can catch me there. Awesome. Any upcoming trainings or workshops that would be open to like general public or? Um, just because of the Equinox platform, uh, most, most of my workshops and things that I run are, are only offered to like people that are through Equinox right now, unfortunately, internal, there's no yeah. real like third part. Yeah. Um, but we'll absolutely, uh, keep listeners posted if, if anything independent is launched in the future. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us today. It's been a great yeah, conversation. It was a pleasure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. We'll take care. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye now. Bye. And that wraps up another amazing episode with Scott. Thank you guys so incredibly much for being here and for tuning in. For all of the show notes or links to connect with Scott or myself further, head on over to pursuitofyoginess.com where you can check out a full breakdown of today's episode as well as all previous episodes and their great content. If you have not already, leave the show a rating and a review on iTunes. Let us know how you're tuning in. If you're enjoying the episodes, tag us in social media. I love to keep this conversation going between episodes. As always, if you have questions, comments, feedback, again, I'm so open, so welcome. So hit me up through the website or send me a personal email. I'm always responding and I'm always listening. So thank you guys again for being here. Pledge your support at patreon.com slash Rudy J for one single dollar. It goes a long, long way. All right. Tune in next time as we continue the pursuit of yoginess.